Welcome to Generate Tab So Seven of Four Stats Podcast. I am your co-host Brandon. This week we have a very special edition of Four Stats Podcast as we give out awards as we've cleared the halfway point of the NFL season. We'll give you our fantasy lineups for Week Nine as well as an against the spread winner as we look to move to five one and one on the year. Before we get into that, let's say hello to Chase. How you doing, everybody? Glad to be back. Glad to have you. Four Stats Podcast is where we talk sports, sports gambling, and fantasy football. Each week we give you four unique stats. Some are meant to be informative, some are meant to blow your mind, maybe even controversial, and others are just conversation starters. We're not going to get to our awards just yet, so I'm sorry to all the NFL players out there that are impatiently waiting to see if they snag a Four Stats Podcast midseason fake award. But I have to know, Chase, what did you take away from this past weekend in the NFL? This past weekend in the NFL really kind of blew my mind a little bit. What I did notice is the holidays are approaching. Everybody's getting ready for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And in all honesty, this is the best time for you to actually own an NFL player for a very low, low price. Joseph Randall just got waived by the Cowboys and Colin Kaepernick just got benched. So I'm pretty sure that you can probably get both of those for a very, very low, low price. And on top of Kaepernick getting benched, uh, they also look like they might start to have a little fire sale. Uh, they traded away Vernon Davis to Peyton Manning, which is kind of scary for the NFL because Vernon Davis is a solid player. And we all know how Peyton Manning loves his tight ends. So I think if you give Peyton Manning an athletic tight end that can pose as a wide receiver, you might be able to do a little bit of damage uh, going down the stretch. They're already undefeated, but I think this could also mean that they might be heading back to the Super Bowl again or at least bump heads with Tom Brady later in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that matchup of just Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in just a couple weeks. That Vernon Davis acquisition shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, We saw what he was able to do with Julius Thomas, and Julius Thomas is a special athlete. But let's not forget that Vernon Davis is a special athlete too. And he should should give Peyton Manning the pass-catching tight end that he hasn't had since Thomas left. Certainly, I think so. Um, I think if Peyton Manning could make Dallas Clark look all-world, I'm pretty sure Vernon Davis will probably revitalize his career and probably have at least another few more years going in the NFL as being a solid player if him and Peyton Manning can get on the same page, which shouldn't be hard because Peyton Manning's book is wide open. Yeah, I did read that his contract actually expires at the end of this year, so it will be up to Vernon Davis to re-sign uh, with Denver. Uh, but I don't think he's looked that bad this year in games he has played. He has actually led the 49ers in receiving yards in games which he played for them. Uh, I've watched quite a bit of him because I have taken him in the podcast for fantasy. So I, I saw him getting open, and I just saw Colin Kaepernick couldn't get him the ball. And we all know Peyton Manning won't have that trouble. And by the way, so much for a noodle arm after what he did to the Packers defense. Definitely. Um, if that's a noodle arm... Give me two orders of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll see if Peyton comes away with one of our awards that we're about to give out. You know what? Let's just start with the best of the best. We'll get right to it and give out the MVP award for the first half of this season. Who do you have? All right, certainly. Keep in mind, this is the MVP award, meaning the most valuable player, not the most outstanding player, not the most electric flying, not the best stats but the most valuable player. And I have to go with Cam Newton. Um, I know that his numbers aren't crazy or jumping off the page. Cam Newton is the leader of an undefeated team that only won five games last season. And now they are 7-0. and That team follows him. They follow his leadership. 
Cam Newton is willing to do anything for the win, uh, whether that's throwing the ball, a crackback block, or even running the football. Uh, his team is on his shoulders. He gives that defense hope. He is playing with very little offensive talent to help him out. And I really think that Cam Newton deserves the MVP reward at the midseason. I don't plan to argue with your selections, as that is the Chase Four Stats MVP first half award. But I do want to take a second to kind of point out that just because you're the face of the franchise doesn't necessarily mean that you're the MVP when they're undefeated. I'm a big of a Cam Newton fan as there is, but if you look at his numbers from a a statistical point of view, there's not a lot to like. In fact, the craziest article I read was in the Wall Street Journal today that compared Colin Kaepernick and Cam Newton, and statistically, they're dead even. Kaepernick's completion percentage is actually higher. He actually has more passing yards. Cam has more touchdowns, but also more interceptions. Their passer rating is identical. Their rushing yards are almost identical. The only thing really different is the record at 7-0. and And I'm going to give uh, the Carolina defense the credit for those seven wins, not Cam Newton. Now, I know he's not working with anything, and he is the face of the franchise, and they absolutely do need him to be 7-0, and but I just can't call him the MVP when he has the same numbers of a quarterback being benched. I still, um, even with his numbers not being there, I think if you take him off of that team, they're not 7-0. They probably have a losing record. I do understand that that defense has been solid, but Cam Newton has a nose for the end zone, and when you get him into the red zone, he's walking away with a touchdown. Well, I have no problem with you uh, making that selection. I went with the more obvious choice. I... I hated to do it, but it's just, it's impossible not to give the award to Tom Brady. He has a 20 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. He's on pace for the highest completion percentage of his career, the second most yards, the second most TDs in his career, the lowest interceptions in his career, and while getting hit the most in his career. This isn't somebody that's just outdoing him. Brady is statistically one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and he's breaking his own records. To me, it's just impossible not to give it to Brady. And that brings us to our next award, which will probably be picking backing on what you're saying is the most outstanding player award, which is different from the MVP in my eyes. And the most outstanding award has to go to Tom Brady. The year that he is having is storybook in all honesty. Um, any quarterback would dream of a year that he's having this year. And he basically is, it looks like he's taking revenge on the NFL for def- Deflategate. Uh, after they tried to tarnish his name, which he's known for doing whenever something goes bad. But after Deflategate, he's basically going and rubbing it in the NFL's face saying, one, I beat you and I didn't get suspended for four years. And I'm also going to make everyone pay that I got to play against. So I would, I'm would, i going to go ahead and give the most outstanding award to Tom Brady. I do like that you uh, clarify the difference between the MVP and what we're calling the MOP. Because often that is lost in the most valuable player. It does They don't have to be the best statistically. I'm going with Andy Dalton as the best MOP. And really, I'm, I realize I'm stretching here. I just didn't want to give Brady both. Uh, he, does, he does deserve the MVP, in my opinion, because he cro- controls the offense. Everything goes through Brady. But for the sake of argument and a different name, I'm throwing Andy Dalton down there. Uh, what he's doing is very impressive. Not only is his team also undefeated, one thing I'd like to point out is he's throwing the ball further down the field. His yards per attempt minus the yards after the catch is 7.49. If you compare that to Brady... Brady's yards per attempt minus Yak is just 6.04. 
That's a yard and a half difference. Brady's numbers are inflated by the yak as they'd get over six yards per catch. He has talented wide receivers that can move. Dalton is having uh, a career highs in completion percentage, yards per attempt, touchdown to interception ratio, and is on pace for a career high in yards as well. I think what is Dalton's doing is simply outstanding. And also Dalton is undefeated. I think Dalton is a little bit covered up by the same thing that we used to say about Matt, what we were saying this season about Matthew Stafford. A.J. Green is definitely uh, making him look good. Uh, he's ha- A.J. Green's having a very big year also. But, of course, if your quarterback's having a good year, generally his he's star wide receiver is also. I think a lot of Dalton's success does play along with A.J. Green, but I don't want to take any away, anything away from Dalton. He's definitely having a big season also. What you're saying actually leads us right into our next award. We want to give away the Difference Maker. This is the best off-season acquisition. I'll let you go ahead and lead it off. The biggest difference difference maker in my eyes this year has to be Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis has been the best cornerback in NFL for the last three years, in my opinion. He's the only one that definitely lines up against the best, and he always shuts down the best. And uh, I think also he gave the Jets hope on defense uh, with putting Revis Island back in New York. New York is New York is back to being a team that people are talking about. The Jets were one of those teams that they laughed at their coach as far as Rex Ryan. They were just always looking for sound bites. But with Revis there and some of their other acquisitions this season, the Jets have actually made some noise and could squeak into the playoffs. Yeah, the Jets were known last year for having no talent at, in the secondary and now have the best back there, and he's made a significant impact on that defense and could impact the playoff pitcher. For my biggest difference maker, I'm going off the board and going Wade Phillips, a defensive coordinator for the Broncos. The Broncos' defense personnel is the exact same as it was last year. The Broncos this year are number one in scoring defense compared to last year, 15. This is the most dominant defense in the NFL because Wade Phillips took over. That has been the difference maker for this team. I like that pick. I've always liked Wade Phillips, not as a head coach, but I've liked him as a coordinator. He's definitely like a Dick LeBeau, in my opinion, as far as a dominant defensive coordinator that when any team he goes to, he always has a perfect scheme. Uh, he was wonderful for the Chargers. He actually took the Cowboys to a 13-3 and season. I think Denver actually found a gold mine by signing Wade Phillips because he has been an excellent coordinator, and he's also pretty passive as a coach, so he never bumps head with the head coach. I like that breakdown. You gave me my pick better than I did. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to our next big award, the Rising Star. All right, my Rising Star is, we were, we've we been talking about cornerbacks a lot, but I have to talk about another one, is Desmond Trufant for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, he's been this he's in his third year, and people haven't really noticed uh, how well he's played on the outside uh, for the Falcons. He's part of the reason that the Falcons are off to such a great start. Many people rank him as being a top 10 corner in the NFL. And they say that he's in for a big payday pretty soon. So I think Desmond Trufard is definitely my rising star as being a third-year player uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they don't compare him to Dion, which is a great thing because I'm pretty sure it'll probably scare the kid, young kid. But he's definitely been making a lot of noise in Atlanta. Atlanta has been much improved this year on defense, and it, he could be the reason why. Uh, for my rising star, I went with Greg Hardy. He has three sacks, one interception, one forced fumble, 12 tackles, all in three games. Before the season, he was kind of known for being suspended. And after this season, he may be known as the most feared pass rusher in the NFL and probably a little crazy. 
but he is a rising star and a force to be reckoned with. Certainly, I agree there. Last week, I said that Greg Hardy was on a terror. I've just watched him play since he's been back. Even when the game is out of reach, Greg Hardy is still in the backfield, just causing all types of havoc. He's just been playing like a madman that he's trying to make up for that year that he lost last year. So I agree with Greg Hardy. And I've always said that Greg Hardy, a healthy Greg Hardy is at least 10 sacks a year. And if you get 10 sacks out of any defensive end, he's going to end up getting paid. Definitely sounds like a rising star. Our next award is the Street Light Award. This is the best player on a bad team. Or, you know what, I'll let you describe it because I like the way you described it earlier. The Street Light Award is something that... I came up with kind of like the Gruden grinder. I call it the streetlight award because it's that one bright spot in darkness and basically saying if it's a a bright spot on a bad team. So I'll go ahead and give out the first ever streetlight award. And that's going to Alex Robinson. Excuse me. Look, I don't even know his name. We don't hear about him that much, (laughs) but that's going to Allen Robinson. Um, I know a lot of people have probably just picked them up off of the waiver wires. Allen Robinson has actually been a very, very, very good player this year for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's a deep threat. And we all know that the deep ball is the most exciting thing that goes on in the NFL as far as the passing game. Everybody wants to throw the long ball. Uh, that's why we talk about Peyton Manning's noodle arm. But Alex Robinson has been basically dominating well I don't want to say dominating because he plays for Jacksonville but he's actually been in the highlight reel pretty often so far he has five touchdowns on the season he has been a bust a couple of weeks but what do you expect when you have bros throwing you the ball it's not that guaranteed that it's going to get there in time but if you want to look into someone that has definitely been a bright spot on a bad team go ahead and look into Allen Robinson I absolutely love that you bring attention to him because he deserves it I was not a believer. I just thought that somebody had to uh, get catches on that team. And I've I've watched him a couple times this year, and he's completely changed my mind. I think he's more than a deep threat. I think he can go across the middle. And you can just see his physical abilities. He's he's a special talent that no one really knows. Uh, he's the most deserving of the very first Streetlight Award. Uh, mine is a little more obvious. I went with J.J. Watt. You just can't men- not mention him. Uh, in the situation, he leads the NFL in sacks. He leads all defensive linemen in tackles. He leads all defensive linemen and snap percentage, playing 96.9% of the defensive snaps for his team. He is the bright spot for that team. Now let's go to somebody else that may be undervalued. Let's give out the most underpaid award, Tyron Matthews of the Arizona Cardinals. It's time to pay that man. He's rated the second highest cornerback by Pro Football Focus. And he's the 188th highest paid cornerback in the NFL in total cast compensation in 2015. Tyron Matthews makes $500,000 a year for the second highest cornerback. Well, while you're talking about Tyron Matthews being your most underpaid player, I'm going to have to go for more obvious household name, Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was the best NFL running back uh, last season. And I thought that he would have been the best NFL running back this season even with missing two games, he recently just had a season-ending injury. Le'Veon Bell was only on schedule to make a little bit more than a million dollars this year. If I'm the number one running back in the NFL, I need to have at least $10 million coming into my bank account if my team's depending on me in that type of manner. So my most underpaid player would have to be Le'Veon Bell. And with him messing up his knee this week, he might not get that money as soon as he, as soon as he thinks. Yeah, it's shocking to know he's only... He's only being paid a, a, a million dollars this year. I would have definitely thought he would have been up there. 
So that's a good find. Now let's go into the opposite side. Let's go with the most overplayed player in the NFL. Who do you have? Well, if you were listening earlier, the most overpaid player is Kaepernick. He's making $19 million this year, and he's no longer a starter in the NFL. If that's not overpaid, then I don't know what is. $19 million is someone that sits on the bench. Uh, you might be able to buy an Allen for $19 million. For $19 million, you might be able to sign LeBron James for close to a year. So I really think that he is being overpaid. That brings us into our first stat for today. If Colin Kaepernick does not snap the ball one more time, or if he's waived or traded, Colin Kaepernick would have made $35K per snap this year. He would have also made $105K per completion. Or let's break it down a little bit more. He would have made $2.5 million per touchdown and $7.6 million per win. Basically, you're telling me that I could go catch the ball two times in the NFL and I would at least be able to buy a house for a single family. He's just been overpaid this year. Um, The numbers aren't matching up. And for them to go ahead and bench him in the middle of the season, they're basically saying that we're looking for other options and his reign might be over as a 49ers quarterback. Yeah, it's impossible to argue with those numbers. Uh, my most overpaid, it, uh, it seems like it may be shattered by your numbers, but I went with Byron Maxwell. He's the fourth highest paid cornerback in the NFL. Yet his rank, according to Pro Football Focus, he's ranked as the 124th ranked corner. He's been getting scorched all year. He's cost his team's wins. He can't, He hasn't proven that he could cover anybody. Even when he had success in Seattle, his success was over 19 games as a starter. That man got paid to be the fourth highest cornerback in the league for 19 starts when he wasn't even the number one corner on the team. That's why he's my most overpaid. Where I'm from, we call players like Byron Maxwell toast because that's what happens when other when he lines up in front of other wide receivers. He gets toasted. Uh, of course, the Legion of Boom basically gave his bank account a booming advance, uh, but he has not produced. Uh, he just went on to another team. He got overpaid, and he might. He's not as good as Osweiler was when when he left the Raiders. Ended up getting that big paycheck by the by Philadelphia. But I think Philadelphia should stop going after corners and overpaying. Maybe they should just draft. I think a lot of Eagles fans would agree with you there. I think they would like to play coach for the Eagles. So that leads us into our next one. Let's go into the coach of the year. I would like to highlight Ron Rivera of the Carolina Panthers. They lost its elite playmaker this offseason with Kelvin Benjamin. They lost Hardy in the offseason to Dallas. They lost his best, his biggest contract and his best pass rusher in Charles Johnson. They lost maybe their second best pass rusher already that preseason in Frank Alexander. Last night, Carolina actually played against the Colts without three of its four best pass rusher, without two starting offensive linemen, and still won the game. They're undefeated with some of the least known talent in the NFL. Their three corners are the 34-year-old Peanut Tillman, the fourth-year cornerback Norman, who was drafted from Coastal Carolina, and Benet Benwicker, drafted from San Jose State, drafted in the fifth round. I think that speaks to coaching and development of this team that is a shocking 7-0. His team really gets behind him, and maybe it's because he's the riverboat Ron, and he, he takes chances because it believes in his players. But whatever he's doing, he's developing these players. The players believe in him, and they're willing to lay it all on the line each and every week. This team is special. This coach is special. 
I like Ron Rivera. He's a hard-nosed coach. He doesn't sugarcoat anything, but he's not my coach of the year. I went with Jack Del Rio, the head coach of the Raiders. Just last year, the Raiders were looking for their first win around this time of, this time of the year. I don't know if you remember last time when they were about to win a game and they got a game-winning sack and all the players ran on the court, excuse me, all of the players ran on the field and started dancing <laughs> and they literally had to call a timeout from the sidelines to get everybody back on side. Right now, the Raiders are above 500. They are four and three in a decent division. Not a great division, but in a decent division. Jack Del Rio should, should get the Coach of the Year award. Of course, he's not undefeated, but look at the improvement and the growth of the team. I think you put it in really good perspective by saying that the Oakland Raiders celebrated a game-winning sack that almost cost them a game last year, and this year they're a real contender in the playoffs. <laughs> that really puts it in perspective. That was pretty sad last year. It really was, but <laughs> but it was also great for TV. <laughs> it was great TV, for sure. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our Player of the Year. We're going to try to speed this up as I realize we're running a little bit long. Uh, my Player of the Year is Josh Norman. I already talked about it a little bit. He's ranked the number one quarterback in all of football, according to Pro Football Focus. The most interesting stat I've heard about him, I can't claim this, I found it myself, but quarterbacks would have a better QBR if they threw the ball into the ground every time instead of throwing it versus Norman than their current rating against him. I think if you throw it into the ground and have a better rating than throwing at him, that says quite a bit about him, and I believe he does deserve Defensive Player of the Year award. Certainly. My Defensive Player of the Year award, I'm sticking with the quarter, the cornerback theme. The linemen and linebackers always get all the glory sometimes, but I'm going with... Denver cornerback, Akib Talib. Um, he's a very, very, very special cornerback. Most cornerbacks are generally small, but he's actually pretty large. He's, I believe he's six feet or six one, uh, giving him the ability to match up with anybody, um, especially, especially the big, uh, wide receivers on the outside. And he's made plays after plays. And also, I believe that he's ranked in the top 10 in the NFL for interceptions also. So he'll get my defensive player of the year. Any quarterback that has a part in holding Aaron Rodgers to under 100 yards for a game should probably be automatically qualified for this that award. Now let's go into our Young Talent Award. Let's give some love to the rookies. The Rookie of the Year. Who do you have? I actually have Gurley. Um, I took him for two reasons. Uh, one, uh, he's dominant, but also I'm just surprised and proud of his I don't want to say surprise, but I'm just proud of his work ethic. Uh, last year in, in, in college, he basically had what some people would have considered almost a career ending injury. Uh, he tore his knee apart. He tore almost everything in his knee and he's back on the field again and he's dominating. Uh, he's basically the bionic man. He can't be stopped. And over the last two, I believe this is his third week for running over a hundred yards. Uh, it would be his fourth consecutive week of 125 or more yards. And I'm with you there. We agree on this. Gurley gets my rookie of the year. He looks like one of the fastest backs in the NFL despite tearing up his his knee just a year ago. He's actually on pace for the most yards from a rookie running back ever. He's going to do it in 100 fewer carries than 1983 Eric Dickerson. That's all I need to know for the rookie of the year. Let's get into the comeback player of the year. Who do you have for this one, Chase? My comeback player of the year, and I'm very excited about this, is Navarro Bowman. Uh, the 49ers, they don't, he could actually be, he could have actually been the streetlight for the 49ers, but Navarro Bowman is my comeback player of the year. He's top five in the NFL in tackles this year, and we all saw the crazy play when he fell, um, on, when he recovered the fumble and tore his knee apart, but he's back, 
and he's basically been dominating this year. Um, I've seen him out there. He's trying to lead a very young defense that basically has very little direction, and he's the only bright spot that I've seen so far for the 49ers this year, uh, but he's definitely having a comeback year. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with another team pretty soon because he's in the middle of his career, and after having a big injury like that, he's definitely going to want to go somewhere and win. I'm not a 49ers fan by any means, but watching him go down, uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, was pretty devastating, and I don't think Bowman has ever got the recognition he deserves for as great of a linebacker he is. I do believe he has played at a top-five level before, uh, and I, I think that he's very deserving of the comeback player of the year. I went in a different direction. I went with Chris Johnson, the running back for the Arizona Cardinals. He's having his highest yards per carry since his sophomore year in the NFL in 2009, 4.8 yards a carry. He already has more yards in eight games this year than he did in 16 games last year. So for me, Chris Johnson is the comeback player of the year. Uh, we can go ahead and talk about the hidden underachiever. Someone that is actually not having a great season, but his team's success is covering it up. I really enjoyed looking for this. Uh, I went with Marshawn Lynch. He actually has his lowest yards per carry of his career. He's on pace for the lowest amount of yards in a season since his rival in Seattle. Marshawn Lynch has a, is a power runner with home run speed. That's what makes him one of the top backs over the last five years. Which leads me into stat two. Stat two. In his career, Marshawn Lynch has 204 rushes of over 10 yards. In those carries, he's averaged 17.1 yards per carry when he goes for 10+. plus. This year, not only does he have a career low of his longest rush for a season of at just 24 yards, but his yards per rush when going for at least 10 yards is also a career low at just 13.7 yards. That's by far his lowest mark of his career. That's 20% less yards for every time he rushes for 10 yards or more. That's a significant decrease. I think if the Seahawks weren't still competing for the division, we would be talking about is Marshawn Lynch's career over. All right, my hidden underachiever doesn't play. He actually calls the plays. And my hidden underachiever this year is Rex Ryan. Uh, everybody looks at Rex Ryan as his defensive guru, but the Buffalo Bills defense was great last year without him. Uh, they thought bringing him to town that they would make him even better, but their defense has actually got worse. Last year, they only gave up 16 passing touchdowns. So far on the season, they're at 15 passing touchdowns. Rex Ryan, he is a good coach. He's a great motivator, but I really think that he is definitely underachieving with the talent that they have in Buffalo. It's shocking to know that they've given up almost as many touchdowns in half the year this year as they did all of year last year. That's that's a good find. Uh, let's go into the most exposed player of the year. This is a player that we thought really high of coming into the year, but 2015 has exposed them. I went with Andrew Luck. He ranks dead last in all of quarterbacks that have taken a snap, according to Pro Football Focus, QB metric. I don't think he's the golden boy of the NFL anymore. He's missing a ton of easy throws. His, he inflates his records and stats versus AFC South opponents, and it seems he can't beat teams with the defense. I don't think Andrew Luck's career is as promising as it once was. I have to agree with you there. We are on the same page. I'm not, I have to choose Andrew Luck as my most exposed player also. Um, people thought that you know he might have had a little sophomore slump, uh, but this is his third year, and pretty much people thought that he was going to take off. Uh, they were listing him as probably being the second-best quarterback this year uh, behind Tom Brady, but I don't really see it in my eyes. Uh, and, excuse me, 
third best behind Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Can't forget about that guy. Well, I can't after last week's performance, but I can't forget <laughs> about that guy. Um, but Andrew Luck has definitely sh- not shown much growth in his third year. And let's think about it. The two wins that the Colts do have this year, I believe they might have three on the season, um, but they their two wins out so far, they were by Hasselbeck. He won those games. Andrew Luck was on the sideline in street clothes. Andrew Luck has not been productive this year, and I think, once again, he'll have the same situation that he won't be able to uh, finish the season strong, just like he didn't finish the game strong the other night against Carolina. I would love to spend the whole episode about this. I'm sure if we had other people on the podcast, they would argue strongly against this. I'm with you. I don't like what I see. I think he just misses a lot of easy throws that he should make, and I don't see the talent that's there. I see him. I see a knowledge of the game, and he knows how to audible, but I'm not sure that he can complete every pass. He has plenty of talent around him, and he's just not making the most of it. Don't believe the hype. Andrew Luck, not that lucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Now, we want to wrap this up, so let's go ahead and shout out a player. This is a player that didn't win an award, but deserves a shout out for his performance. I don't want to call it a participation trophy, but they need some kind of recognition. So let's go ahead and uh, give them the recognition they deserve. Who's your shout out player? All right. Well, my shout out player is a little bit different. We didn't talk about anyone in the front office this year. So I want, I want to give a shout out to John Elway. John Elway is basically doing whatever it takes to win and he'll sign or bring anyone along to win as you see he's basically got Peyton Manning whatever he wanted he had a number one receiver already in Thomas but he turned right around and got him Sanders this week he just went and got him Vernon Davis uh, on defense they drafted Roby in the first round and as one corner they solidified the other side with signing to lead so I just have to go out and say that I will have to go with John Elway. Just this week, they're trying to get Joe Thomas from from Cleveland. He's a guaranteed bookend as an offensive tackle uh, to basically protect Peyton Manning and give him a couple of more years back there. So I have to give my shout out to John Elway. I love GMs that are willing to do whatever it takes to win. They don't care what the cost is because at the end of the day, when you win a Super Bowl, nobody cares what's on the receipt. That's well said, but... It's not like he's just buying a team either. They've drafted well, like you mentioned. They drafted Chris Harris, one of the better young cornerbacks. They drafted Brandon Marshall. The team is just absolutely loaded with talent. They spend the money in free agency. He deserves a shout-out. I went with a more traditional route. I went with the player. I wanted to give Carson Palmer some uh, some love. He should be in the MVP discussion. His QBR, which is ESPN's quarterback metric, is 84.4. That leads the NFL. That's higher than Tom Brady. That leads me into stat three. His 9.2 yards per attempt would tie the second best mark over the last 25 years. Maybe it's all time, but I only went back 25 years. The record is held by Warner in 2000, the greatest show on turf, with 9.9 yards per attempt. Rodgers posted a 9.2 yards per attempt in 2011, and Manning posted a 9.2 yards per attempt in 2004. Carson Palmer has that same stat right now, and if he can finish up the season there, he needs to be in the MVP discussion. Shout out to Carson Palmer, who's going completely unnoticed in Arizona. I don't think he's going completely unnoticed. <laughs> Arizona did start the season off, I believe, 5-0, and so he's actually been noticed a little bit. But you're absolutely right. Carson Palmer definitely deserves some acknowledgement. Uh, he's at the end of his career. Everyone thought his career was over when he went to the Raiders, just like a lot of people's is. Uh, but he's definitely... Brought a lot of life back to his career, and 
he's been very productive. Yeah, he's throwing the ball downfield, and maybe he's not getting any recognition, but he, I don't I don't hear enough MVP talk as I should. He plays for Arizona. No one from Arizona is ever going to be the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I gave him the shout-out, so at least he won something. Let's go ahead and get into fantasy football. For fantasy football, we have three more awards to give out. We'll try to make this quick. The fantasy football steal of the year. I believe we agree with on this one. Chase, who do you have? The steal of the year has to be Devontae Freeman. He's the best running back in the NFL this season. Uh, he was basically a second-string guy that got a chance because someone got hurt. And he's been dominant. Uh, fantasy football has taken over the world. Uh, more people know more about fantasy than they actually know about the actual game. Uh, that's the talk around the water cooler at work. They don't care about who won. They only care about who won fantasy football. So I hope that everybody has made any effort they can to trade or acquire Freeman this season. Uh, Freeman is absolutely the right choice. A lot of these answers are subjective. This one is not. If you don't have Freeman as the steal of the year in fantasy, I don't want to talk fantasy football with you. <laughs> He's leading the NFL in rushing yards. He's the second running back in reception yards. By far the number one uh, running back in fantasy football, averaging 25 fantasy points per game. Second is less than 19 points per game. His average draft position was 119th before the season. That means he wasn't drafted in a lot of leagues. If you drafted him, you deserve a special guru status, so shout out to you. Let's go on the opposite end of that. The fantasy bust of the year. My fantasy bust of the year is another running back. Running backs are so important in fantasy football because they're always up and down and you never know who's going to be healthy. Uh, but for my bust of the year, it's Carlos Hyde. Uh, another 49er. Seems like we've just been talking down on them all night. Carlos Hyde has been horrible this year. Carlos Hyde has just been horrible this year. Uh, he started the season off. He had two touchdowns in the opening game, and then he has, since then, he only had one touchdown. So, so far, he only has three touchdowns on the season. They let go of Frank Gore for Carlos Hyde. They had basically given him the team and told him that he could be the workhorse and carry the team offensively, but that hasn't really panned out. He has only ran for over 100 yards, over 100 yards once this year. There are so many fantasy running backs you could uh put in this position. I tried to avoid anyone that was hurt on the year, including Hyde, even though he was just hurt now. Um, I wanted to go with a player that has played every game and still is disappointed. My fantasy of the bust of the year is Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy only has 8.7 fantasy points per game, despite being the third overall pick in fantasy. He currently ranks 41st in running backs and points per game. He averages the exact same points per game as his backup Starks, who ADP was 200th, meaning he was rarely ever drafted. So you, you spent the third overall pick and got the same performance of somebody that was not drafted. He's my bust of the year. Since we've told you who you should have already made your trades for uh, and who you should be releasing, let me go ahead and tell you who you need to have an eye on for the next upcoming weeks. I think that you should go ahead and pick up a player that is getting ready to explode. So we're going to go our fantasy player to explode award. And I've chose David Carr. David Carr is a quarterback for the Raiders. In the last two weeks, he has seven touchdowns. Uh, he's basically been throwing the ball down the field, and he's an athlete. Uh, with him being an athlete means that he can get away from defenders and he's not guaranteed to get sacked. That's giving his wide receivers more time to break coverage and get free. And he's basically told everyone that he thinks Amari Cooper is the next Jerry Rice. 
So he's going to throw the ball down the field to him as much as he possibly can in order to get as many big plays as possible. Keep a lookout for David Carr. And if you can, you can go ahead and stack the two and make a trade for Amari Cooper. I love that the Raiders got some love in our awards because they deserve it. What they're doing is phenomenal. What David Carr is doing is phenomenal. You've got to love everything about Amari Cooper, Latavius Murray. They're just having a fantastic year in Oakland. So congratulations to them and all their fans. My fantasy player that's about to explode is Ben Roethlisberger. Now, you may accuse me of making an obvious choice, but there's a stat I really need to tell you. Six of their eight remaining games are versus teams that rank in bottom third in the passing defense. They play Oakland, who ranks 31st in passing D. Cleveland, 22nd in passing D. Indy, 27th in passing D. Cincinnati, ranks 23rd. Baltimore, 31st. And again, Cleveland, 22nd. Ben Roethlisberger is one of the more talented quarterbacks in our league. He plays in a passing offense, and now he gets to play six of his eight remaining games versus teams that don't know how to defend the pass. He's my fantasy player about to explode. Now that we've finished up all our awards, let's go ahead and get into our DraftKings lineup for this week. We cashed in the Million Maker yet again for you. It could have been a huge cash if Ellington would have scored anything out of my flex. I gave you Drew Brees and Cooks as a stack, and Brees set an NFL record for touchdown passes. I did win over you, Chase, and that moves me to 4-2. and two. Heads up. Let's see if you can close the gap this week. Let's hear that lineup. Let's go ahead and start our lineup off with Drew Brees. He's back home in the Superdome, and whenever Drew Brees is in the Superdome, it means super numbers. I'm going ahead and follow your trend to pick Drew Brees this week for my team. Like you said, it's hard to go against Drew Brees at home. I went with a more risky play. I know he's one of the higher salary players this week, but I went with Aaron Rodgers, who has something to prove, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I went with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Uh, For my running back, I also took some sleepers here. I went with Doug Martin and Darren McFadden. I love both of their matchups this week, and I believe that both of them could have huge games. I don't know if we have the same iCloud or something on our iPad, but I went with Doug Martin as my running back because after I watched how big the holes were against the Cowboys in the Giants game, I figured that they could make some against the Giants. So I took Doug Martin, and then I also took Derek McFadden. Derek McFadden (laughs) should run with confidence this week because he's the only running back on the roster. So I'm pretty sure that they're going to try their hardest to get him going, and he's also going to have something to prove being the number one man. I cannot believe we have two of the same running backs. I'm sorry for all of our listeners that we are not giving you any variety, but clearly those other must starts this week. Uh, Who do you have at running back? Oh, we just went over running backs, but at wide receiver, I have Antonio Brown. That kind of backs up what you were talking about there with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Mari Cooper, I've been talking about the Raiders all day. Also, I went and took Tavon Austin also for the Seattle Rams, for the St. Louis Rams. All right, our lineups really do need to be different. Maybe we need to discuss this beforehand. I also have Amari Cooper at wide receiver. Uh, my other two wide receivers are Emmanuel Sanders. I just believe he's due for a breakout game. And I went with Roddy White as long as Hankerson isn't starting. Um, he's playing San Francisco. He needs some catches to in- inflate his stats, and I think Matt Ryan knows this. So he may get, may get the looks against a very bad team. At tight end, I went with Antonio Gates. To me, it was the easiest tight end this week to start, given that Keenan Allen's out, and that is uh, Rivers' favorite target anyways. 
I did a little bit of stacking action and went again this week with Benjamin Watson. I took him last week and he was very productive. So I'm going to go ahead and take him again this week. Uh, we all know that Drew Brees likes his tight ends. You remember Jimmy Graham. I know you probably forgot about him since he's in Seattle because he's doing nothing. But he's Benjamin Watson has actually been pretty productive for the Saints in the last couple of weeks. I went, In my flex, I'm going to take a second to talk about this. But in my flex, I took Devontae Adams of the Packers that stacks with Aaron Rodgers. Now, we just talked, I, we spent a lot of time talking about the dominance of Carolina's defense. But they are going off a short week against Aaron Rodgers, which is not a good thing. And also, Andrew Luck had plenty of time in the pocket. We talked about all the pass rushers that Carolina was missing. And if that's the same thing this week, Aaron Rodgers can thread the needle in a tight window if he has time. The Denver Broncos were able to get to him, and they had corners that stuck to their, to their man. As good as Josh Norman is, this is a really tough matchup on a short week with no pass rush. I really like Aaron Rodgers, and I went with Devontae Adams as a sleeper to give me some separation in this big contest. I wrapped up my team with the Falcons, who are playing the 49ers, and Blaine Gabbard at quarterback. Well, I didn't go with a what if at my flex. I went ahead and took Todd Gurley. I realized that I had a lot of money left over, and I figured that I would spend it big. So I took Todd Gurley as my flex, which is guaranteed to cash out for you and of course if I took guy Todd Gurley and guy Gurley that's funny uh but if I took Todd Gurley into the flex I went ahead and took the Raiders defense because I couldn't afford much better but I've been riding the Raiders the Raiders wave all day so I might as well stick with it I think God Gurley may like that nickname <laughs> <laughs> that might be what they're calling them in C in St. Louis He's been the best guy in the backfield since they had Marshall Falk. And they wore the throwbacks last week. It looked pretty nice on the field. That is our fantasy lineups for uh, week nine. We'll see who wins this week, and hopefully we'll cash again for you in the Millionaire Maker. Now let's move on to Against the Spread Talk. Each week we want to give you one play against the spread. Last week it was the Saints who put up 52 points on the Giants and still only pushed the three-point spread. Our record now stands at 4-1-1 one, and one on the year. This may seem like my squarest move I've made all year, but I just don't see any other outcome. San Francisco is playing host to the Falcons, and the Falcons are a heavy road chalk of 7 points. Yet, I'm still taking the Falcons. Dan Quinn, the Falcons head coach, just left Seattle as the defensive coordinator. Seattle has held San Francisco to a total of 13 points in the last 3 meetings. That's 4 points a game by the same defensive scheme as Atlanta runs. Yes, the players are a little different, but the Falcons have held their own on defense. Trufant has been exceptional, as as you pointed out earlier. He's the 12th best corner according to Pro Football Focus. But more importantly is San Francisco's inability to move the ball. They've been outcoached this entire season. So what do you do when you're terrible? You have a fire sale. You send Vernon Davis off to Denver. You give up on the season. You play for the top draft pick of the 2016 draft. And that's exactly what I expect out of the 49ers this week. Their offensive line has been among the worst in the NFL. They've allowed 28 sacks already this season, third most in the NFL. So here's a bright idea the 49ers had. Let's take out our mobile quarterback and put in an immobile quarterback with Blaine Gabbard. On top of that, Vernon Davis, who is leading the team in receiving yards in games in which he did play, let's ship him off for nothing. San Francisco doesn't need its best offensive mismatch anyway, right? Oh, and San Francisco is decimated at running back, losing Hyde and Bush. So let's take a third stringer and the guys you signed off the street at running back and keep them back there for pass protection. Let's see what Blaine Gabbert's going to do. Spoiler alert, he's going to be a doormat like he has his whole career. We talked about this in episode 4, so let's recap the stats. 
Football Outsider measured Gabbard's rookie season as the fifth worst season ever recorded by an NFL player. His career stats, 53% completions, more interceptions than touchdowns, and only throws it 5.6 yards per attempt when the few times he does get it out before being sacked. To quote you, Chase, he's a clipboard holder, not an NFL quarterback. Oh yeah, he's also 0-10 in his last 10 starts in the NFL. By starting him, the team has realized that the 49ers' ownership is quitting on them. This team will not show up against the very talented Falcons. It's over for him. The message has been sent. Gabbert is 4-24 and and 28 starts in his career. That four. In Gabbert's 28 starts, he's led his team to 24-plus points only twice. In fact, Gabbert's 28 starts, his team averages just 14.8 points a game. Let's compare that to the opposing quarterback. Matt Ryan's squad is averaging 26.6 points this year. That's a 12-point difference right there. That's not factoring in the, the devastation about this team is just giving up. The Falcons' defense is more talented. The offense, well, is eons better than San Francisco with Gabber at the helm. This Falcons team has something to prove after dropping two straight, and they will have no resistance. San Francisco is a tired old dog that is just going to lay down and watch the Falcons blow by them and hope they, and 49ers are hoping for that number one pick. Everything about this is a mismatch. Falcons minus seven to win by 20. The disclaimer before I say anything else, to the Gabbert family, I am sorry. Brandon figured out all of this horrible information about your fellow family member. I know it may be true, but I did at least I did not repeat it. <laughs> um, far as the play, I definitely agree with you. I know what a tank looks like when I see one. As I told you, all of the kids that wanted a quarterback for Christmas, don't waste your money on getting a fathead. Just call the 49ers and they will sell you Kaepernick. They will take whatever they can towards that 19 million they have to pay him this year. Um, so I'm definitely putting my money on the Hawks. I'm sorry, wrong sport. Same city. Uh, I'm putting my money on the Falcons this year. Not this year, but this week. I'm sorry again. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so surprised on how bad he's badgered the Gavard family with those stats. Um, Everything, it was assassination. That's the only way that I can say it. The stats don't lie in this case. <laughs> and I would like to point out to all the Gabbert family that is listening, you did say he's a better clipboard holder than a quarterback in our episode six. <laughs> yeah, but that sounded more opinionated. It wasn't so, it wasn't backed up with such strong numbers. Well, let's go ahead and get your final thought on this before they come and find it, track us down. All right, let's go ahead with our final period. I know I did a shout out last week, but I have to do another one this week also because I have four players that had a good chance of probably making Pro Bowls this year, and none of them will even make it to week nine of the season. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is done for the season. Keon Allen. Smith is about to end his career. Uh, He said he's retiring after this year, and he tore his Achilles. And also Cameron Wake is also out for the season. So with that being said, happy trails to all you guys um, for the ones that are returning next season. We're looking forward to you, but happy trails to all the guys. You're still a pro bowl in my heart. Yeah, week week eight was pretty devastating to a lot of talented players. Oh, 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 I almost forgot. Guess who's starting this week in Cleveland? <laughs> the money man. They finally realized that. At least he can sell some jerseys. <laughs> I, I guess they finally listened to, uh, I believe it was episode two or three, where you told them to put it in. So I guess they're just a little behind on our stream. And I also want to congratulate all the NFL players that won our award. 
Uh, congrats to everybody that cashed our fantasy lineup last week. And congrats to everybody that's following along with our against the spread picks. We are glad listening is paying off for you. If you have any feedback, you may contact us on Twitter at Forstats Podcast. We will answer any fantasy questions you have, but please submit your questions by Saturday. We are also looking for sponsors. If you want to sponsor any segment of the broadcast or the entire podcast, please contact us at forstatsforsuccess at gmail.com. That is the number four. It's always the number four, never the preposition. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Until then, good night, degenerates. Good night, everyone. Take care.